Thank you, O God. Amen. And you may be seated. In St. Paul, Minnesota, there's the minor league baseball team is not very originally called the St. Paul Saints. Well, the word saints is naturally spelled S-A-I-N-T-S across the front of their jerseys. And the team owners, like lots of minor league baseball team owners, oftentimes offer group discount nights for organizations, well, like churches, to help bolster attendance. It's a fairly common promotion. And so, after several faith-based half-price nights, the Minnesota atheists, in the spirit of inclusion, asked for their half-price night as well. That night, the St. Paul Saints donned New Jerseys, which dropped the S from Saints. Yes, it said they were the St. Paul Aints. One has to imagine that the following words from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians weren't read that night. Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. I, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him. This ends our reading from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts, O God, be offered humbly and faithfully. Amen. Now, I want you to imagine this. Someone from our church's nominating committee, there are four people who make up the nominating committee, call you up, you recognize the number on your phone, and you know they're from the nominating committee, and you're thinking, well, maybe they're going to ask me to be on, say, the finance committee ministry, or maybe on diaconate to help with worship. And they ask you, no, I'm calling. We're looking for nominations, and maybe your own name should be included, they say. We're looking for nominations for saints. Saints. Here's my hunch. Most of you'd say, oh, I, I'm certainly not qualified, and and I'm not sure I should recommend anyone for that because maybe, like those baseball jerseys, you might know this ancient saying, if you think you're a saint, you probably ain't. But saints, right? I mean, we imagine extraordinary people, right, who've given everything of, them, of their self in service to God, people who were so luminous, luminous, that their lives are, are a beacon for the rest of us. Maybe we think of Mother Teresa or someone, right? I mean, that's a saint, right? Now, it's not often that a minister asks him or her, his or her congregation to stop paying attention to the preacher. But I want you to stop for a moment. And even if you're far in the back, you may need to come out into the aisles a little bit. And everyone needs to sort of stand up and look at the window of our saints, if you would in the balcony. Yes, sadly, they're all men. 
That may have just been the context of the culture in 1960 when the Jesus and disciple window was installed. So it's called the window of saints, and as I said, it is all men, but Jesus, however, is the central figure. He's surrounded by 13 saints. I've looked up in our records and all the names of the 13. I only recognize like seven of them. The other six I had never heard of. I had to look some up, and they weren't even easy to find that way. But still, looking just quickly over your shoulder, um, here's a few of them. Starting from the upper left, in, the, in the, your, our upper left, is St. Coloma. Just below him, wearing what are called the Geneva tabs, is John Robinson, the pastor to the pilgrims. Right below him is St. Francis, and next to him is William Brewster, who led the early pilgrims. In the top right, another Catholic saint, very ecumenical of the church at the time, is St. Patrick. And down in the, in the last, in the upper side on the right, but in the lower right, wearing the pith helmet, in the same window as St. Patrick, is Albert Schweitzer, medical missionary doctor. So, for hundreds of years, the church has told stories of saints, of, of lives that are so remarkable that they could be models of our Christian life, but yet never anyone claiming them to be perfect. So if the nominating committee calls you asking for names for sainthood, you're going to probably be stumped, which really means that maybe we should begin to re-examine what we think when we hear the Apostle Paul's words about loving all the saints of the church. Because it's most likely that Paul was speaking about the everyday run-of-the-mill faithful folk in Ephesus. And listen, I'm sure the congregation in Ephesus was comprised of a bunch of good people. I mean, they really probably were. There were probably a few pains, but mostly it was great, right? But saints, to call them all the saints? Clearly, Paul had something different in mind than, than maybe the Mother Teresas of the world or even the Albert Schweitzers. Maybe he had something in mind what a young child once experienced here in this sanctuary. She was waiting for her dad after church, and it was close to noon, and the sun was still sort of moving across the sky, and, um, and it was spectacular, that window. And the individual pieces of glass, the greens, the blues, and especially those reds that form the figures of the servants of God and of Jesus, those colors and shapes were splashed all over the floor and the pews and the walls. It was astonishing. And the little girl asked, who, who are they? And the answer was, they're saints. Do, do you know them? And the next response was only a couple. But then she said this, honest to goodness, it is so cool, she said, the way the light shines through them. Exactly, right? That's what Paul had in mind when he referred to the members of the church and in the other early cities as saints. They hadn't performed any miracles, I'm almost certain of that. They certainly were flawed. But Paul was writing to them not as extraordinary people, but as people who, even in their ordinariness and their flaws, something of God shone through. It was Kierkegaard who said, a saint 
is simply someone whose life has a cranny through which the divine peeps. And now I think you know who he's talking about, right? People that you might give their names to the nominating committee. People who sometimes, even in spite of themselves, end up being glimpses of God's blessing for those who know them. Everyday saints who, in mundane ways, serve as reminders of Christ's love for this world. And when I look out, I see lots of practical saints, lives through which the divine peeps. I see the person who drove someone to the doctor and picked up groceries for a neighbor on her way home. I see the person who works for and prays for peace and justice in the world. I look out and I see choir members who have sung for the umpteenth time this month to enrich our service and praise of God. I see people who have made meals for beds and for new mothers. I see people who have visited friends in nursing homes even when those friends have stopped remembering who you are. In these and in countless others, I see the practical saints of God whose lives are a cranny through which the light of God peaks. Practical saints, I see. Teachers and parents, bankers and engineers and homemakers, every single one of you, practical saints. You are the ones to whom Paul was referring in his letter, reminding each of you sometimes, and sometimes in spite of ourselves, we are glimpses of God's blessings to others. So friends, let your everyday lives of faithfulness serve as a reminder to others, a reminder to others of the love of the extraordinary God who works through ordinary people, you and others, the practical saints of God. May it be so.